to me, okay, to me. Ultimately, martial art means honestly expressing yourself. Now, it is very difficult to do. I mean, it is, it is easy for me to put on a show and be cocky yeah. and be flooded with a cocky feeling and then yeah. feel like pretty cool and all that. Or I can make all kinds of phony things, you see what I mean? Blinded by it. Or I can show you some really fancy movement. To express oneself honestly, not lying to oneself, and to express myself honestly, you know, that, my friend, is <laughs> very hard to do. And you have to train. You have to keep your reflexes so that when you want it, it's there. The expression of the human body. I mean, the f everything. I mean, you know, not just the hand. And when you're talking about combat, well, I mean, if, if, it, if it is a sport, now, now you're talking about something else. You have regulations, you have rules. But when you're talking about fighting as it is, oh, rules. with no rules, no, no fighting. well then, baby, you better train every part of your body. I'm not surprised, mother... I'm not impressed by your performance. What's up? Where you at, George? I like Big Dumb McCartney pulling me about folks. That's how I like to roll. You feel me? Nobody gonna take this bet. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm proud for fighting you. For you. Don't bring the dog out of me. I'm the man of the hour, Joe. Too sweet to be sour. What you see is what you get, and what you don't is better yet. I fight for the fans. I wanted to keep fighting as long as it took, and I wanted to win this title. Thank you, everybody, for coming out. I did it. I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Running water never grows stale, so you got to just keep on flowing. Aloha, Penn Nation. Welcome back. You are now tuned in to yet another edition of BJPenn.com Radio. As always, guys, I'm your host, Jay Kinch, and we have another great show lined up for you guys this evening. BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice, the voice of the fans. We are live each and every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And each and every week, we continue to bring you guys the best guests and awesome interviews. As I mentioned, we're the fighter's voice, the voice of the fans. And quite frankly, we believe everybody should be heard. No voice too little, no topic too controversial or cliche, unfiltered and unbiased. Tonight's lineup, as I mentioned, is another great one. But before we get into that, as I tell you guys each and every week, your home for MMA is bjpen.com forward slash MMA news. Make sure you bookmark it, bjpen.com forward slash MMA news for all the latest and greatest and the sport that you love of mixed martial arts, all the topics, all the breaking news, viral videos, exclusive content, all the things that you crave all in one place. Not to mention new technique videos every week from some of the best in the business, I might add, for all of you that are potentially you know, looking to make your own run in this sport. BJPenn.com is the largest independently owned and operated MMA news site out there today. We're very proud of that, and we greatly appreciate your continued support. So like I said, go there now while you listen bjpen.com forward slash MMA news. If it's newsworthy, we've got you covered. One-stop shopping. 
So as I said, kick-ass show tonight. Three great guests. And a ton of news to cover. I'm not going to be able to get to all of it. First up, 8.15. In just a few minutes here. We saw the triumphant return of John Jones over the weekend, but one of the biggest winners from UFC 214 in Anaheim had to be our first guest, Volkan Ozdemir. He was on the show last week, gave us his official prediction, first-round KO over Jimmy Manoa, and he certainly delivered. Took him less than 42 seconds, or actually it took him 42 seconds, less than a minute. Man, very impressive stuff. So we caught up with him. We got to recap the fight, talk about what's next for him, the potential matchups, and you know, calling out Alexander Gustafson for a true number one contender fight, a title eliminator. And, of course, we talk about the potential prospect of John Jones fighting Brock Lesnar, kind of holding up the division. Man, I said it, I said it the other I said it last week, rather. If he got this fight, wins this fight, knocking on the door for a title shot, accomplished all of that within a six-month time, you know, six-month period of time, really hard to argue that this guy is in breakthrough fighter of the year, if not fighter of the year. Went from unknown to potential superstar. So great conversation with Volkan, as always. He's coming up first at 8.15. 8.40. We're joined by always entertaining, fan favorite to watch in the cage, UFC welterweight, Platinum Mike Perry. Uh, it was announced last week, excuse me, that Platinum Mike Perry would be taking on the Pitbull Tiago Alves. Fight has fireworks written all over it. Can't wait for that one. It's going to go down. UFC Fight Night 116 on September 16th in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Great conversation with, with uh, Mike, as always. Very entertaining guy. Uh, unfiltered as well. Speaks his mind, and you got to appreciate that. We'll talk about the, the, the matchup with, with Tiago Alves, as I said. Has barn burner written all over it. Both guys go forward. Both the guys swing for the fences. We've seen that time and time again with Tiago Alves, and we've seen that with Mike Perry since he's been in the UFC as well. So we'll break down the fight. We'll talk about the division and all the hot topics. I have a great conversation with him. We get into Maymac, Mayweather McGregor, rather, and um, the, the potential return of GSP, what's going on with the division, and where he fits into all of that in regards to a title shot. While he's not ranked yet, you know, as he keeps climbing the ranks, keeps beating better and better guys, better and better competition, I have no doubt he'll be there soon. So again, 840, Platinum Mike Perry, he'll be our second guest tonight. And closing out the show, 9 p.m., a guy who is... Almost a, almost a veteran of the sport for, for two decades. Competed in strike force. Pride, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, he's been everywhere. Dream, whatever the case is. Now he's in Bellator, fought for the UFC. One of the best lightweights in the world. One of the greatest ambassadors for the sport. And one of the brightest minds in the sport as well. Josh the Punk Thompson. All I can say about this conversation is that 
it's probably one of the best interviews that, that we've done on this show so far. Uh, chat with him for almost an hour, and uh, we cover everything. So I'm sure you guys are going to enjoy this one. Uh, I certainly enjoyed having him on the show, getting an opportunity to speak with him. And, uh, man, I mean, I can't, I can't say enough about this interview. Great conversation with him. And, le- and as I mentioned, we cover the entire spectrum of mixed martial arts, whether it be his potential uh, or his, his timetable for a comeback fight, when he wants to fight again, how many times he's going to fight again, what he's got in the works aside from fighting, his thoughts on the current state of MMA in the UFC and Bellator, Mayweather-McGregor, of course, all of it. No, no topic is left uncovered for the most part. Uh, great conversation with him. And I, I know you guys will enjoy that as well. So there's the lineup. Three great guests. Another great show. BJPenn.com radio, the fighter's voice. Very happy about this one. And again, as always, it has, as it has been for the past few weeks, got to give a big shout out to our man, Chris Taylor, uh, hooking me up with Josh Thompson. And, uh, you know, Mike Perry has been a good friend of the show before, but scheduled this interview as well. So big shout out to Chris Taylor. Seems to be a recurring thing. He's the man. Thank you, Chris. Uh, so crazy amount of news. I don't have time to cover it all. I'm going to do my best to, to breeze through this. UFC 214 recap. So many great fights. Again, not enough time to cover all of it. So we're going to stick with the main card, and, and, and I'm going to do my best here. As I'm sure everybody knows, unless you're living under a rock, John Jones triumphant in his return finishes DC in the third round, reclaims his place as the best in the world. Uh, Very kind and humble post-fight, I got to say. Praised DC, said he was a great champion in John's absence. And uh, surprisingly, though, called out Brock Lesnar. There had been some talk about this fight earlier in the week. He decided to call him out, do the mic drop. Very good move uh, promotion-wise and marketing-wise for John Jones, but... Not exactly what the light heavyweight division wanted to hear. And, you know, considering that the UFC has been doing this kind of business lately with with big money fights, I believe they're going to try to make it happen. But uh, it's kind of another one of those freak show fights. Uh, Lesnar responded, seems to be interested. Uh, But, you know, he'd have to rejoin the USADA testing pool for a good period of time. And personally, I think it makes more sense for, for John to defend the belt at least once before that fight gets made. Uh, DC, very emotional in defeat, post-fight, you know, crying with Joe Rogan. And uh, Joe Rogan broke a promise he made to everybody that, that he would never interview a fighter who had just been knocked out. Uh, the MMA community, you know, was pretty harsh uh, with images of DC crying, uh, used for all kinds of memes and, and whatnot. Cruel indeed, but I guess that's the name of the game, you know, in this day and age. Um, considering that he, you know, he may have been winning that fight up until that point. Looked really good. I mean, it was the best DC we've ever seen, and uh, John certainly had a fight on his hands. Um, I think we need to give him his credit and respect on what he's accomplished. Uh, great guy. He's been a great champion, and I have no doubt that he'll bounce back from this. Uh, Brogan, following all of this, publicly apologized this week. DC had a heartfelt statement as well. Uh, and there you have it. That was the main event. The co-main, we saw a good friend of BJPenn.com, Tyron Woodley, the champ, 
defend his belt against the incredibly gifted BJJ expert, Damian Maya. Uh, the fans didn't like this one, the fans in the stadium, rather. And, you know, while there wasn't fists flying and, and blood splatter everywhere, I think the hardcore fans are the people that really appreciate uh, all of the diversity in this game in regards to technique. Uh, I think I think people appreciated it, as I mentioned, the hardcore fans. Um, I was impressed with with Woodley's uh, with focus on, on the game plan there. Stuffed an incredible amount of takedowns. Um, I think over 20, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you know, to avoid that that very deadly ground game of, of Damian Maya that we've seen time and time again uh, be able to take care of opponents pretty handedly, handily rather. Um, Lots unfolding with Woodley now. Demanded an apology from Dana White. Dana White blasted him following the fight. Went back on his word about giving the winner a shot at GSP. Was very unhappy with Tyron's performance. Um, And as I mentioned, drama unfolding there. Woodley demanded the apology. Threatened to expose some dirt he has on the company. Uh, It was reported that that beef was quickly squashed. And you can get all those juicy details at bjpen.com forward slash MMA news. Uh, actually, as a matter of fact, our own Chris Taylor uh, spoke with Woodley earlier today. And as I mentioned, you can read that in-depth interview with the champ on the site right now. So make sure you check that out. Um, newly crowned women's featherweight champion, Chris Cyborg, did what we all expected. Took a little longer than we all thought, though. Uh, she was able to finish Tanya Avenger in the third, capture that vacant strap, and you know what? To Tanya Evans' credit, she looked tough as nails in there, and, and her stock only goes up, in my opinion, with this loss. Uh, what's next for the baddest woman on the planet? Tough to say. Not a lot of depth to the uh, women's featherweight division right now. However, two opponents make sense. Reschedule the matchup that was originally supposed to be for Chris with Megan Anderson, the Invicta champ, or former 135-pound bantamweight champion, Holly Holm. Give her a shot at, at Chris Cyborg. Uh, so we'll see how this all plays out. You can stay tuned to BJPenn.com for all the latest on that. And, uh, you know, great performance on behalf of uh, Chris Cyborg. Back and forth battle between uh, Robbie Lawler, Cowboy Cerrone. Time off for both of these guys was definitely beneficial, in my opinion. Uh, Robbie got the nod from the judges. Pretty close fight. Now he's back in the mix with some of the best guys at 170. Where they both go from here, I mean, there's a lot of, move, a lot of moving parts in, in 170 right now, so it's tough to say, but either way, good thing for Robbie, back in the mix, and uh, good fight on, on behalf of both guys. Um, and the fight that kicked the show off with the bang, the pay-per-view card, rather, our first guest tonight, Volkan Ozdemir. Yet again, able to shock the world. Prove the doubters wrong. Impressive knockout over Jimmy Manoa. Proceeded to dub himself a new nickname, No Time. Fits perfectly with his UFC career thus far. Um, pointed to his wrist as, as, as to uh, indicate a watch. You know, no time. Takes him no time to finish these guys. Like I said, very fitting, very fitting uh, nickname for him. Undeniable, man. With that finish, he's, he's the newest big threat at 205. Hard to argue that he's not number one contender with that win. Um, you'll hear from him shortly, just a couple minutes here. As I mentioned, he's the first guest of tonight. Um, great performance by him. Then there's the whole undercard that I'm not even touching for sake of time. Lots of stuff. 
lots of post-fight uh, uh, breaking news and developments following UFC 214. You find all of that at bjpen.com forward slash MMA news. That's not all we're going to touch. We're going to touch on a couple of other things here, but I know I'm missing a bunch of stuff for getting some of it. I, you know, I have no doubt, uh, but we've got all that coverage, everything else you need. MMA related, breaking news, hot topics, viral videos, technique training, training technique videos, all of that, as I mentioned, bjpen.com forward slash MMA news. Go there now while you listen to the show. Get all the in-depth coverage on everything you need to know. There's some interesting stuff right now coming out about Conor McGregor sparring uh, Paulie, Ma- Paulie Malignaggi. I always, try, I always say his name wrong. Update on the future of Ronda Rousey. Chael Sonnen saying that uh, he's expecting to face Chuck Liddell next. Dear Lord, I hope not. <laughs> Enough with the freak show fights. And as I mentioned, we've got a bunch of exclusives from, from Tyron Woodley brought to you by our own Chris Taylor. All of that and much more, bjpen.com forward slash MMA news. Make sure you bookmark us. Set up notifications on your cell phone. Every time we post something, you'll get it first. You'll hear it, read it, whatever the case is, and uh, stay up to date. One-stop shopping, my friends, bjpen.com. So we're going to jump right into it. First guest, Volkan Ozdemir. UFC 214, knocked out Jimmy, Man- Jimmy Manoa's steamroll in this division, man. I've said it many times on the show, meteoric rise. Truly incredible what he's been able to accomplish. So uh, we're kicking things off. BJPenn.com, BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice, the voice of the fans. I'm Kinch. Coming up next, Volkan, no time, Ozdemir. All right, Penn Nation. We're joined by probably one of the biggest winners, if not the biggest winner, from UFC 214 able to dispatch a really tough Jimmy Manua in just over 40 seconds. Of course, I'm talking about newly dubbed no time Volkan Ozdemir. Volkan, thanks for joining us yet again. I'm sure you're very highly sought after right now. We greatly appreciate the time. Are you still in California or are you back in Florida? Uh, I just uh, flew back uh, yesterday night, so I had an overnight flight, and I uh, this morning I was already at training, so I just came home with me too, and I'm, you know, ready to nap. <laughs> wow, already back in the gym. That is dedication, my friend. Yeah, I mean, uh, I just wanted to keep going on, on the on the same track, you know, I don't want to take, you know, like, day off, you know, like, days off, I don't want to take a vacation too much, yeah. but uh, I was just going easy, you know, like, playing around, playing, um, Staying around uh, everybody and um, and helping them too, you know. Yeah, you know, in winning that quickly, I mean, does it? I know it's a good thing. Obviously, you want to go in and get the job done as fast as possible, take the least amount of damage. But you know, for all the work you have to put in leading up to the fight, do you almost kind of wish like it went a little longer to to really show what the skills you've been working on and you know, kind of get that workout? I guess at the end of the day. Actually, not even. I'm I'm really happy uh, about how things turn out for me. Um, it's like I go in and I go out right away, you know. I, I'm, really, I'm not even breaking a sweat, um, kind of, you know. But um, I'm, I'm really happy all the things turn out and we'll, you know, we'll keep some, uh, some three-round fights for, for maybe later on. <laughs> well, like I said, the faster the better. Uh, that, that is without question. Obviously, an incredible weekend for you. You called it on this show last week. 
you predicted a first-round KO. It came in under a minute. You know, you didn't mention, though, that, that it would be that quickly. Obviously, you're very happy with the performance, but you did you expect to be able to get the finish in almost record time yet again? I mean, the, the, the time was also, like, um, a record again. Um, I know I got heavy hands, and uh, I always go for the kill, you know, but it's, it's, it all depends on how the fight turns out. I, I think uh, sometimes you just make... The, the opponent just make a bad strategy and then I'm able to capitalize on, on it and that was the case but uh, it all depends about how the how the, the opponent is going to react. Very true. Um, obviously it doesn't get much better than an impressive win in, in such quick fashion. You snagged a bonus. Any plans for the extra money? You don't really strike me as a, an extravagant spender. Um, actually I'm going to spend it on um, Recovery device. Um, I've been talking with uh, uh, Robbie at the, at the hotel and stuff, you know, to help also, you know, recover, like uh, you know, like help you heal. And that's that's the kind of stuff I think I'm gonna have to uh, I'm gonna have to to have in my house also, um, just to keep my health, um, you know, going and you know, just keep me, you know ready to do whatever, you know, so, um, so I think that's the, that's the only thing I'm going to, that's the only place I'm going to spend money is just, yeah, I'm going to just reinvest into fighting. That was a very smart move, obviously, invest in your future and uh, continue this incredible journey that you've been on. So in regards to the fight, you came right after Jimmy, he decided to tie up with you, and it was pretty much the dirty boxing that, that led to the eventual finish. Were you surprised that he decided to clinch with you that quickly? You know, he was clearly trying to slow you down a bit at that point, correct? Um, if I if I try to get get inside Jimmy's head, I think uh, since I, I was the faster guy, um, and maybe he wanted to slow me down, you know, with the speed because he's like a slow paced guy. He explodes a lot, but he needs you know time also to aim. I guess that's what what he was trying to do, but um, but um, I mean. I don't think that's the right game plan. Sometimes when uh, when uh, you, you you have your strength somewhere and you're trying to, so I, I I just went with the flow and I was about to capitalize on that. Hmm. I've got to say, man, you know we hear a lot of guys talk about who was the hardest puncher in the game today. After Saturday night, I, you know I think you need to be involved in that conversation as well. The uppercuts, the hooks you landed seemed so effortless, and you know you had your back up against the cage. A lot of guys can't score a knockout or land powerful blows from that position. I'm wondering, how were you able to generate so much power in such little space? You know, it's not something we see uh, very often in mixed martial arts. I mean, I think after those two fights, uh, nobody's going to put my, my back against the cage anymore because uh, that's how I get those people. Right. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I mean, uh, I think it just comes absolutely for me. Um, and um, I can't explain, actually. Oh, I hear you. And you just just natural God-given power. Uh, right yes, a, yeah. Right after the finish, you introduced the world to your new nickname, as you pointed out, or pointed to your wrist, rather, no time. Certainly makes sense, considering you're finishing guys in no time at all, and you've been able to take this division by storm in, in just as little time. Uh, and as you also mentioned, post-fight media scrum, very fitting for a Swiss fighter. Uh, was that something you were planning, or was that just spur of the moment? I mean, that's something that... That, that that really suit me well, and we were, you know, really talking about it with uh, all my friends. They started calling me like this um, when I was fighting in Denmark for tournaments. 
uh, three fights in one night, and all my fights were like in one minute. The three fights, I think I did like uh, three minutes and 50 seconds for all the tournament. And um, and that's that's how they started calling me like that. And then uh, then we stopped a little bit. And now I think uh, since I find my old self a little bit after the, the signing with the UFC, um, I was able, you know, to you know to to, to feel my my power coming back, you know, a bit. And then uh, I think that's that's the perfect nickname right now because uh, I've been finishing all my opponent in the first round almost you know and uh, i think i have 12 knockouts in the first round now and uh, most of them were also in the the one minute mark and so some of them two minute mark and stuff like that so i think that's a that's a that's a good thing for me you know a lot of guys aren't able to to turn it on so quickly you know there's usually a feeling out process guys will take a little time to, to judge uh feints timing distance i mean is, is that always it seems like it's always been your mentality to just get in there and get right to it um, I mean, is that something just mental for you, or do you have to train for that? You know, how were you able to just start and go right after a guy without any hesitation? I mean, as soon as I hear the bell ring, you know, it's like uh, somebody unleashed me, and um, it's, it's just time to work, and I'm, I'm here to, to take the head off, you know? <laughs> now, uh, speaking of taking over the division in no time, you know, I personally feel as though you should be the front runner for breakthrough fighter of the year, if not fighter of the year. Uh, you know, I can't think of anyone who has rocketed up the rankings and gone from, you know, unknown to potential superstar in such little time. What what is the response from the UFC been, the fans and most importantly your fans back home in Switzerland? I think really good. Uh I see a lot of uh uh people coming now and cheering. I think my social media like um went five times higher maybe. No, four times I think higher, and um, I get just like a bunch of people coming at me, and uh, I mean it's really cool, and I see a lot of video and everything, you know, people, some people do memes, you know, gifs and stuff like that, so it's pretty crazy. Uh, um, it's it's brand new also. Um, it was happening already with Misha, but now with Manoa, and that was like the first fight on the main card of the biggest event of the year. And that was the performance of the night. So I think that was just uh, an amazing night for me. Absolutely. We talked about that last week. You know, kicking off the card with a great fight like this certainly had an opportunity to steal the show. Um, we spoke about it the last time you were on, but, you know, it seems like the real underlying theme for your uh, UFC career, you know, obviously the the quick rise to the top. Um, I'm, get, I'm wondering, you know, did you get a chance to talk to Dana White, his reaction to the finish? I mean, did you hear about any of that? He jumped out of his seat screaming, holy shit, apparently. You know, sounds like you've already got some clout. Just three fights with the UFC president. Have you spoke to him at all, and, and what has his response been, if so? Um, I, I spoke mostly with the, the meat met, but um, we're supposed to, you know, have a drink with, the, with Dana. Uh, didn't happen um, uh, in Cali. Then I stayed uh, with my, you know, my fiancé, and then we just went out and stuff like that. Okay. And um, but we got time. Um, we also, you know, I try with my with my manager, who is my best friend. Uh, I try to really brainstorming on every possibilities and stuff. You know, uh, everything about the future. And I think we we we're doing a great job right now. And uh, you know, I'm I'm planning some stuff. So we'll see in the future. Yeah, I, I would certainly agree, man. 
you know, not only do the fights speak for themselves, but it, but it seems like you definitely have the promotional and, and marketing uh, stuff on lock as well. Uh, but before we jump into, you know, potential uh, future fights for you, what did you think of Jones finishing DC? I know you told me last week that you picked him to win the fight, but did you, did you expect him to finish him in that fashion? Um, no, I mean, the, the kick was uh, really uh, was a game changer. Um, the fight was, uh, I didn't know what to think anymore about the fight. I was seeing Jones in the first round, but Comey came back, you know, and the uh, I, I was like had a mixed I had a mixed emotion, so I, I didn't know really who who's gonna win that fight until Jones landed that kick, and that was like that was it. Uh, he was really smart. Uh, he didn't rush. The leg trip, I loved the leg trips. That was something you know, I was like, oh, that's Jones, you know. Yeah. And um, and uh, then yeah, then he finished it, and uh, I think he was a little bit long. Um, maybe the referee could have stopped it. Um, a little bit earlier, but that's also a huge title fight between you know two rivals. So you know, yeah, you I think anyway he, he did a great job. Yeah, you um, got to give a guy an opportunity to recover. No, of course, yeah, of course. And um, and uh, yeah, I mean, the fight was uh, was great. So looking forward now, you've said that that you think a fight with uh, Alexander Gustafson makes sense, and I think most of us would all agree with that. However, you know, the UFC has been more interested in making fights that bring in the most money as of late, and a rematch with Gus and Jones would, would definitely be big. That being said, you know, has there been any discussion with the UFC yet or Gustafsson, you know, about making this fight happen? If they decide to have him fight Jones in a rematch, would you sit and wait for the winner? So I think the only problem is, like, right now, Jones has his eyes on Brock And um, this is probably the, the, the money fight. Um, and uh, I think uh, Lesnar is uh, still suspended for six months. Then he has to enter into the USADA testing, testing pool, and you know I don't know how long it's going to take. So that's why, um, that's why I think uh, since I want to stay active, um, maybe uh, you know let's, let's just go for Gustafsson in the meantime, so we can you know uh, see who's going to be the, the challenger number one, and uh, you know who's going to be really the, the king of Europe. Absolutely. You mentioned King of Europe, and not only that, but it would really determine a true number one contender. No questioning, you know, who is the next guy for the title shot. Uh, but, you know, speaking of Lesnar, the possibilities for Jones, he brought it up on Saturday, obviously the big super fight with Brock, called him out, Lesnar responded, and it would definitely be a huge fight. Uh, but it doesn't make sense for, you know, several reasons. As you mentioned, the suspension, him entering the, the drug testing pool again, Jones moving up, holding up a title. You know, what what was your initial reaction to all of that? And would you agree that it would be unfair for him to hold up the the division? You know, uh, upon coming back, you know, right away. Oh yeah, they <laughs> that, 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 they better make a interim title in the meantime for sure. Okay. And the other possibility, this was kind of a shocker to everybody, I think, uh, involves your teammate Rumble Johnson. You know, he said over the weekend that the only fight he would come back for would be a potential match with John Jones. And, you know, considering there was a lot of interest in that fight, I can't see, uh, you know, why it wouldn't be an option for the UFC. That being said, if Rumble was to come back and be the next challenger for Jones, I would imagine that you'd be happy to step aside for your teammate. Of course, uh, Rumble was was there for before me. And, um, you know, he's, he's a big name. Uh, let's not forget that. He's a, he's a, he's a huge name. And, uh, 
is bringing money for pay-per-view and uh, that's something I may be not able to do as well as him, that's for sure. So um, I also need to build my name first and that's why also Jason is also a good fight. But, um, you know, if, if, if you look at my nickname, um, you know, it's no time. So my, my, my goal, first of all, you know, my first goal is to go to the belt as the fastest I can. So I would love to fight Jones right now. Yeah. I just think he's, he's really not interesting. It's just like a dangerous fight for him. You know, he has nothing to gain from that. Mm. Um, also, pay-per-view-wise, you know, I'm not going to sell as much as less now, obviously. Uh, Gustafsson and AJ. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned <clears throat> what Jones said there. You know, after the card on Saturday, he mentioned that he didn't really know who you were and that you wouldn't be a good fight for him financially, as we've been talking about here. However, you responded that, that he will definitely know more about you soon in good time. Uh, do you think he's just playing with the media for the sake of a bigger payday, or do you think he's paying close attention to your uh, meteoric rise to the top? Uh, I think you, everybody's paying attention to everything, you know, anyway. Okay. Now, aside from all his demons and, you know, the screw-ups outside the cage, Jones is widely considered the best of all time, looked to be in peak form on Saturday. Uh, that being said, you know, when you think of fighting John Jones and how everyone has failed so far, are there any big holes in his game, you know, that, that you notice right away or in studying him? And I'm wondering, you know, what would you do differently from all of his previous opponents? Yeah, that's, that's, that's my little secret. <laughs> <laughs> that's my little secret, and it's going to stay my little secret. All right. Very but, um, of course, you know, like I told you, everybody study everybody. So, so I got something for everybody. <laughs> All right, fair enough, man. Um, so you've come out of the fight unscathed, got your eyes on the champ, and, and arguably the number one contender in Alexander Gustafsson. Uh, when would you like to come back to the cage, and what message would you send to both those guys, Jones and Gustafsson, as you continue your campaign for UFC gold? Uh, I mean, I got no time. I'm back in the gym already. I wanna, I wanna fight for for the belt first of all. Um, so the fight I want the most is Jones. Um, if anything happens, you know, in between Jones and uh, Brock Lesnar, then I'm going to go for Gustafsson because I want to fight one more time this year before the end of the year. Hopefully, a main event in Europe um, or maybe somewhere, um, you know, in uh, Fox or whatever. There is also um, the UFC in Madison Square Garden, you know, stuff like that. There is so much possibilities. In, you know, now we just need to find the best um concept you know to sell you know so the best fight there is maybe it's a number one contender fight that's going to be me and Gustafsson all right <clears throat> very good certainly looking forward to the future what it has in store for you it's been an incredible journey to witness so far uh always appreciate the time and you know hopefully you, you and Gustafsson couldn't you know put on a huge event in Europe I, I know the I'm sure the Swiss fans are really loving someone you know having someone in mixed martial arts at such a high level to get behind. Um, as I mentioned, always a pleasure, Volkan. Happy Switzerland Day, my friend. Certainly looking forward to the next time. Any shout-outs you'd like to get in before we let you go? Yeah, thank you so much. For, yeah, happy Switzerland Day. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, everybody can follow me on social media, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and also Facebook. So thanks, everybody. All right. Thank you very much, my friend. We'll catch you next time, and uh, enjoy the fruits of your hard work. Thank you so much. All right, have a good day. Good day.
All right, Penn Nation. One of the, as I said, taking the division by storm. Possibly breakthrough fighter of the year. Volkan Ozdemir. Always good to talk to him. Man. I mean, Dana White was jumping up and down saying, holy shit. I know my viewing party, we were all, you know, jaws dropped. I had no doubt that that, that uh, this was a good matchup. And this is uh, definitely a measuring stick for Volkan to prove himself in the UFC, taking on one of the elite. But man, 42 seconds. Seems like any punch that he lands is devastating. And as we talked about there, back up against the cage, in the clinch, dirty boxing, uppercut, hook, rock Jimmy, finish the fight. He is dangerous. He has dynamite in his hands. And, uh, man, I look forward to what the UFC does next with him. Uh, Pretty safe to assume that he'll be challenging for the title or number one contender spot before the end of the year or early in 2018. Um, So big thank you to Volkan. As I said there, definitely highly sought after following a big win like that. I'm sure he's getting blown up by the media nonstop after that win. So uh, took the time to speak with us. We're very grateful for that and uh, looking forward to the next time with Volkan. We're going to keep it moving, though, for sake of time. Coming up next, Platinum Mike Perry, BJPenn.com Radio. All right, Penn Nation. His nickname is Platinum, but he's had his eyes on gold for a while now. One of the UFC's rising stars. Welterweight slugger, good friend of BJPenn.com, Mike Perry, back on the show. Welcome back, Mike. Always a pleasure to speak with you, my man. What's that? We out here, baby. I'm good. I'm doing well. All right. Very good. Are are you in Florida right now, putting in work in the gym, I assume? Yeah, man. I'm taking a nap. (laughs) It's raining outside. I like like how when it rains outside, man, I think everybody does. Listen to the the rain water on the window and just relax with the AC. And I I put in work this morning. I went I did some kickboxing and some some neck strengthening and then some uh some pool work and then now I'm about to go do some bands and stuff later. Yeah, kickboxing. I, I agree with you, man. You know, for some reason, rain is, is is a soothing sound and definitely definitely good for a nap. I I agree with you there, hundred percent. So, it was announced a little over a week ago that you'll be fighting UFC veteran Tiago Alves September 16th in Pittsburgh. Give us your thoughts on the matchup. I'd imagine you're pretty excited for this one. Yeah, man, I uh, I grew up watching Tiago, trying to do things the way Tiago did some things. And uh, he was, a, you know, one of my favorite fighters when I was younger. And then... You know, he's never really been beat up. He's been in tough fights and wars and stuff like that, but no one just, like, ran through Tiago Alves, you know. And so that's cool. That's respectable, commendable, all those things. But uh, it's a first time for everything. Absolutely. As you talked about there, he's a dangerous guy. Good leg yeah. kicks, heavy hands, likes to move forward. In your opinion, where is he most dangerous, and what kind of a game plan are you expecting from him come fight night? 
I'm expecting him to try to kick my legs a lot and uh, move out of the way. And that's not that's not the uh, the Tiago that's that's gonna do well against me. The one that moves away. I mean, he did good against Patrick Cote like that, but Patrick's slow. It was like it was like me versus Hungry Limb. It was Patrick was too big, and uh, I'm not gonna let him. I'm not gonna let him just sit there and beat on my leg until I can't move. I'm gonna get up in his face and I'm gonna. And crush him from the inside, man. Some elbows, some punches, some knees. Well, typical platinum style. Uh, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, so the fight was originally being targeted for August, if I'm not mistaken. The UFC had to change the plans with, with the May-Mac deal getting done. Uh, when did you get clarification on the rescheduled date, and did the rescheduling affect you uh, negatively at all? Well, I mean, May and Mac might have something to do with it. Um, they didn't want me on on pay per view a week before they were about to make six hundred million dollars. So I was about, I was definitely about to talk some shit. Uh, they also didn't have a main event. Demetrius Johnson didn't want to fight T.J. Dillashaw, and uh, then when they got moved, uh, it was no biggie. You know what I mean? It's no big deal. It gave me extra time to train. I take everything in a positive. Outlook, so well, very and, good. Yeah, it's more time to train for a killer like uh, Tiago, man. Okay. So last time we spoke was uh, just after the Allenberger KO. Uh, you were happy with the win, but hungry for more. You had talked about wanting to fight guys that were going to, you know, put on a good show for the fans, much like yourself. I believe you may have even mentioned Alves, Alves specifically. Um, he's a guy that goes forward, as I said, swings for the fences. Uh, certainly, I think this fight could definitely be a wild one, steal the show. Um, I'm wondering, would you agree with that? Is this the kind of matchup that you've been uh, really looking forward to in the UFC? Yeah, man. There's there's a couple ways the fight could go. It could be it could be another, you know, Danny Roberts fight like that. Uh, but even better, uh, you know, we could both be beat up, bleeding, and and working for it in there, or uh, I think I'm going to come out crushing, man, fast. I'm not even going to play. I'm just going to come out, waste some energy, get in his face, and hit him as hard as I can, as soon as I can. Well, I expect nothing less from you, man. Um, He's coming off the win over Patrick Cote, followed by a failed attempt, or, you know, previously before that, a failed attempt at uh, moving down to lightweight. Uh, You're both looking to build some momentum back up and chip away at the rankings here. I'm wondering, is this fight a good opportunity for you to build that momentum? And uh, will a dominant win in Pittsburgh set you up for, you know, potentially a ranked opponent? I think so because, I mean, Tiago is a great opponent. Like, he's been in the UFC for 12 years, and um, they don't give him the credit he deserves. I don't know where he is on the ranking system, but he he said he wanted to fight me, and I definitely wanted that fight. So I'm gonna take this fight and I'm I'm gonna um I'm gonna propel myself with it. It's giving him an opportunity to propel himself too. But I'm trying to show the world that I'm not out here trying to pick my fights. You know, like look, look I picked this one, but that's because he called me out and wanted it. 
So I told my manager, I was like, look, if we can get that one, I want that one. I want that fight. And so I'm not out here picking and choosing between people who are who are very weak, you know, in the division. I'm not calling out Sage Northcutt. I'm not calling out fucking uh, the dude who just beat him. I don't even know his name because he called out CM Punk. I'm not out here calling out CM Punk. There's some guys at 170 that shouldn't fucking be there, but they're there for other reasons. And they got people their own level that they can have them fight. I'm trying to fight the best, trying to be the best, and I'm trying to show the world that it doesn't matter who it is, where it is, when it is, I'm going to come out on top every well, time. Certainly looking forward to it, man. Um, you know, as soon as the, the matchup got announced, I got excited. Very, uh, like I said, potential to steal the show, maybe be fight of the year. And either way, impressive performance for you, I'm sure. Uh, but, you know, Tiago's been the subject of some con- controversy, accusations of steroid use, failed drug tests. You know, some have said that since uh, the impl- implementation of USADA, his body's changed. I'm wondering, you know, what's your take on that? Are you confident that he's clean? And does it even really matter to you? It don't matter. I've, I've trained with guys who were on steroids. Um, I think a lot of fighters are on steroids. I don't know if they are in the UFC as much anymore. I guess Usada's doing their job, you know what I mean? But I know I've never done this shit, never needed any um, uh, any cheats for my strength. You know, I've always been strong, so I never went to look elsewhere for some drugs to help me with that. But um, not worried about it, man. I just hope that people don't try to take nothing away from them. Yeah. Like they did when I knocked out Ellenberger. Yeah, true. That That's not fair, trying to discredit a big win. Um, I don't think that'll be the case, but, you know, another recurring issue with, with Tiago has been the weight cut. Um, he's missed weight on a few occasions. Hopefully that's all figured out here, you know, gets with a good nutritionist, et cetera. Uh, but if you were to miss weight, you know, would you have any hesitation to, to continue on with the fight? Hell no, I'm taking that 20%. <laughs> we going to add that on top of my fucking money, baby. Let's go. I hope he does miss weight. <laughs> so, if he hears this, Tiago, you can have an, a five-pound advantage if you want, but I'm taking some of your money. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess the benefit financially is, is certainly a good thing for you, my friend. Uh, but yeah. spe- speaking of weight, you're a pretty yoked dude yourself, uh, you know, uh, stocky for, for the division. I'm wondering, what's your walk-around weight, and, and what do you weigh right now? Oh, man, sometimes I weigh 206. Sometimes I weigh 196. Right now I'm sitting about 186 because I've just been training so much. I've been eating clean, and, and uh, you know, some things had happened in, in the past months uh, after Ellenberger. Like, I got... I got really ill, I got really sick um, because I ingested a piece of metal and, like, the doctors couldn't really tell me anything and, and like, I don't know, I was going through it. It cut my insides up, my intestines and stuff, and, like, I was vomiting blood and, and I God. was sick for, for days, man, and it, it kind of it ruined my appetite. Now, like, I have to be really hungry to, like, and I'm picky about what I'm going to eat. You know what I mean? I'm really picky about it now. And I'm not the same as I was where I just 
I don't know, I was like a kid, I was young, I, if I was hungry, I would just stuff myself, feed myself, whatever, and, but now, man, I just watch what I eat so much, and I also, I have a sponsor, actually, uh, called Fit Meals, they, they deliver me food, and it's all packaged and ready to go, it's really healthy and delicious, actually, so, um, they've been helping me out a lot, and I'm grateful for that. Interesting. But, so, so what what happened there? I mean, that sounds pretty brutal, man. Ingested metal, puking up blood. I mean, what, what, do you know where it came from? What, what was the situation? Um, I was in a car accident, and it was the only thing. Cause like I don't go to the doctors, and I was in the car accident, so I went to the doctors to get a checkup to make sure after the accident that everything was okay. Cause you never know. And then, like a couple days later. I was like, I was like dying, so we went back, and they did like CAT scans, and they were like, did you swallow a coin, or or <laughs> something like that, and they're like, you know, well, kids swallow coins, and they pass them, and they don't go through this violent, you know, uh, sickness you're going through, so... Either we don't know what it was, what kind of metal it was inside of me, if I was having an allergic reaction to it being inside of me or anything like that. But, you know, I'll tell you what, man, because it was always something on my mind about being so big and cutting so much weight. And I actually cut a lot of weight before the Joe Band fight that week. I did a lot of sauna. I did a lot of stuff that week. And I felt terrible. And... The last fight, I didn't do any sauna. It was the first time in my life that I didn't do any sauna to make weight. I felt great. So walking around about 186, 185, man, I've been moving a lot faster. I've been feeling a lot better. It's closer to to fight weight, only 15 instead of, what, 30 pounds? So it's a lot better, man. Well, that makes sense. You know, the the less you deplete yourself, the better you're going to feel on fight night. Um but, you know, you, you talk about camp, you're working hard in the gym. Did you officially start camp yet? And if so, if or if not, rather, when are you officially going to start training camp for this fight? Oh, yeah, I've been in camp, man, because that's right. You asked me when did I find out, you know. Um, after the fight got canceled and it was, it was said that I was just, you know, we got an opponent, we just don't have a venue yet. Yeah. You know, sometimes finding an opponent is easier. So we still had the opponent, and then it wasn't too long after that that September popped up. But I, w- I signed a while ago. I just wasn't allowed to talk about it. And then it got leaked, and I still wasn't allowed to talk about it. And, like, it's all over the Internet. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't. And people are asking me, oh, you fighting? And I'm like, um, not supposed to say anything. <laughs> and also, but it's all good, man. You know, I just... uh. I stay ready at all times. I definitely, when I signed, my mindset changed a little bit. It was like, oh, I'm in camp now, so certain things are going to have to change, like going out or drinking or, or you know, hanging out with friends. It's, it's work, work, work. I work three times a day. Yeah. I'm training two times a day, but it's, it's different than it used to be, man, because when I trained three times a day when I was younger, I'd be so sore for so long, but now I'm training smart. And I'm able to train three times a day, every day. And my body, you know, we work with my body, not not push it, not force it. It, it doesn't have to be forced. Because 
you know, what am I really doing in training? I'm just trying to make sure that my body is is close to 100% as possible and I'm feeling great night of the fight because I know how to fight already. I don't need to sit here and, you know, you see fights and, and live events and you see coaches in the back with their fighters, some of these fucking guys, even pros. The coach is, like, trying to teach the guy something in the back before he walks out and fights. Like, nigga, you, what are you gonna? How are you gonna teach him something? And he about to go out there right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? The work's been done. I know how to fight. I know how to knock somebody out. It's just, it's just feeling good the night of the fight and making sure the mind is in the right. Well, th- th- that's good, man. It sounds like everything's coming into coming into its own for you. Um, let's talk about Pittsburgh, though. You know, this isn't exactly the fight-loving city of Philadelphia, but Pittsburgh has some pretty diehard sports fans. You know, what are you expecting from the crowd? And, you know, do you expect that they'll be, uh, you know, getting, giving their love to you by the end of the fight, regardless of, of who they're rooting for at, at the beginning? Yeah, definitely. It usually goes that way. I mean, hell, I walked out in England, and everybody in that arena was against me, booing. And by the time I walked out, they was all cheering, love the fight. That's all that matters, you know. And you walk in the back, and I've said it before in other interviews, they forget about you as soon as you walk in the back. They're ready to watch the next fight. So I just try to entertain so that it looks good on a highlight reel. And I, my money goes up every time I get to bust somebody's ass. Well, that is certainly the truth, man. I know regardless of, of the outcome or who you're fighting, by the end of the fight, most fans are, are cheering for you. You definitely put out there, go out there and put on a great show. Uh, but changing gears here for a moment, UFC 214, just a couple of days away. This interview won't air until after the fight, but give us your thoughts on who the winner of Maya and Woodley should face. Should GSP cut the line, assuming he actually takes the fight? And who do you think is the rightful number one contender? Um... GSP can do whatever he wants, man. Can If he actually gets in there, he's going to get busted up. It's been too long for him. It's not going to be the way he thinks it's going to be. This ain't the movies. He's more of a movie star now. Uh, I was I love that guy, though. I mean, GSP, man, he's to I, – I wanted him to be a better kickboxer. I thought he was a better kickboxer, but then he became this superstar, amazing grappler, like as good as Damian Maya or better, you know. And and uh, eh, I look for fighters that you know. I like Tyrone Woodley. I I talk to him sometimes. I text him sometimes, and just I might talk a little shit to him sometimes to let him know that I'm still out here trying to come and get him. <laughs> and uh, but he he is a champion. Um, among champions, man, because, you know, I see videos he posts and, and the way he takes care of his family and things like that. Um, I think he's going to be champion until I get there. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes from there, but I think he'll, he'll be Damian Maya for sure. And, um, because Mossy Dahl did so well with him and, uh, T Woodley's a very experienced wrestler, grappler, and uh, very powerful, a lot more powerful than Mosley Dahl, I believe. And he'll hit Maya with some harder shots, too. So 
Uh, we'll see what happens there. And then after that, you know, as far as a contender goes, man, it's the uh, it's the backpack. It's the it's the from ten to to about twenty six where I am. Those are the guys who want to go get that belt. Neil Magny, I think he's running hot, looking for safe fights. I think he's about to have one. Um, uh, who else? Johnny Hendricks is at 185 now. I thought he was soft at 170 anyways. He's actually doing all right at 180, but then he just got beat. Uh, what's his name? It was too big for him. Yeah. And, um, I mean, Kobe Covington's out here just laying on people, acting like he's beating the hell out of them. He's just out here fucking hugging them to death. And, um, you know, it's. A, I want to see who the fans want to see me fight next. I don't know. Uh, there's there's people talking about. Do I even need to go back to the Alan Joban fight? I don't know. I don't think so unless he makes it up there. Um, he's about to fight Nico Price, who is out here in Florida. I was actually. We were gonna fight before either one of us made it to the UFC. We were both the top guys in Florida. He was like. 7-0, and and I was 7-0, and but then I got the call, yeah. uh, we made it into the show, so then he's been, you know, he's been chasing ever since, and he's actually 10-0, and so we'll see how he does against Joban, I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna get that, though, because he's a grappler, Joban's gonna come out kicking, and I should've put my weight on Joban, I just didn't wanna hug him, I didn't, you know, I didn't wanna grapple with him, but I am a good enough grappler where I should have, and I think uh, Nico's going to hug him and pull him down to the ground and then get the win there, maybe. So, I don't know. There's a few fights for me that could possibly happen after. I just don't know which ones. Uh, I can't really say, man. Yeah, true. Well, it sounds like you think the field is pretty wide open. Don't expect GSP to come back. And if he does, you think he's going to have a really tough time. Um, So, you know, that being said... Obviously, you don't have an opponent in mind coming up after this fight, but the the rematch with Joe Ban, you, you're putting that on the back burner for this, you know, now unless he gets himself into the into the top 15. Yeah, I'm looking for a top 15 fight. There's there's a fight I want to, you know, I want to I want to fight Kamaru Usman because he's just he's doing great and uh, he's a big guy. People probably think he's probably big and dangerous. But I think he's just another hugger. I'm trying to show people that these huggers ain't as dangerous as they think they are. And uh, but no, no offense to him, you know that fight. Uh, just me saying that could spark some controversy. He could say something. I could say something on social media, and then it becomes something like the Alaquinta did. That that people wanted to see that fight just because he was talking shit. But I'll smash that little fool. You know what I mean? It's a pointless fight. People thought the Tiago fight was a pointless fight because I should get a ranked opponent again or something like that. But Tiago, I think, is worth more than a ranked opponent. He's been around for so long. You know, we're going to change my name or just add to it. You know, Mayweather's got a bunch of nicknames, a.k.a., 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 well, Platinum Mike Perry, a.k.a., Legend Slayer, <laughs> a.k.a., K.O. King, a.k.a., Good night, Taco. <laughs> well, 
clearly, as you mentioned there, Tiago is, is, you know, regardless of ranking, that's a good matchup for you, not only stylistically, but as you said, veteran of the sport, been in the business a long time, and particularly with the UFC. So a win over him does mean a lot. Um, but, you know, as I've mentioned before, you've had your eyes focused on the belt. Um, you know, that being said, how many fights do you think you're going to need to get into contendership status? Uh, two or three big performances going into 2018? I mean, do you think you could uh, could get that top-notch ranking to potentially be fighting for the belt within the next calendar year? Yes, I do. Uh, I believe if I get a, a three-five win streak, so two more, then I'll be able to say something. Um, also, um, another name that you know I would be interested in fighting is uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio because he just beat Gunner and Gunner beat Joe Ban. And I could just skip the line and go beat Santiago. I mean, he was number 14, and I just beat number 13 before they switched all the rankings around. So let me go back up that way and get that fight. I think, you know, it depends on how I win. Um, they didn't let me fight very often this year, as much as I wanted, because it's, it's September, and I'm about to be on my second fight rather than when I got in the UFC, they gave me three right away. Yeah. And so I was a little upset with waiting so long because I'm only young once. But it's all good, man. Everything goes the way God wants it to. And it's going to work itself out that way. But I'm going to go get this W. And we're going to move forward towards the next victim. And it doesn't matter who it is or when it is. But I'm going to get the W again. And I'm going to keep doing that. And they're going to keep paying me money. And I don't care how many fights I got to do to just keep winning until they give me my shot at the belt. You know, I'm not, it's not like, uh, I mean, what do I want to do? I want to get to the belt as fast as I can and then hold the belt all the time. Then I fight once, maybe twice a year. If I stay out here and I just clear out the division, I can get a bunch of fights, a bunch of money. Then when I go to the belt I'll have more experience to fight the champion and be the champion so you know I'm gonna need that experience too so I'm 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 really happy with the the fight that's coming Tiago's gonna give me that experience he's fought for the title um was always very close to championship material but just never cut the cake and uh I think I'm gonna show him what he was missing well, I'll tell you what, man, it sounds like you've got it all figured out here, and there's a couple of uh, really good paths for you to take, you know, on that ascension up the rankings towards the title. Uh, but I wanted to change gears here briefly just for a moment. Um, I know you're a fight fan, student of the game. You've mentioned Mayweather a couple times here, you know, considering that, that this fight may have potentially been affected by Mayweather-McGregor. wanted to talk about that for a moment. What was your reaction to the deal getting done? Does Conor have a chance, and is it bad for either sport? It's not bad for either sport. I think it's good. Um, man, I've had a couple – we've had a couple boxers come in the MMA gym, and I'm talking about, like, undefeated prospects, man, like 15-0, and 16-0, and 0, um, amazing boxers come in the gym, and we sparred them MMA, and I'm like, you ready for this? And I kick their leg, and then they're like, it messes them all up, and then I shoot the takedown. Like, we were just messing with them. But they wanted to try it out, so that was fun. And I think it's bringing a lot of things together. You know, I, I 
made a pro boxing debut back when I was 2-0 and in MMA, and I, I lost. I got beat. I was a little stiff, and that was a couple years ago. I'm definitely uh, not the same boxer I was back then as I am now. I'm a lot better now, but um, that fight had to happen that way. I had to learn from it that way. Um, I wish I could have got on the Mayweather-McGregor card against the guy who beat me or something, or I don't know. Now my fight is the same night as Triple G and Canelo. Let me get the winner of that for 10 mil. <laughs> like Connor's doing. <laughs> Let me redeem myself in that boxing ring. But then again, so, it's a different I, sport, man. I mean, I, when I get up close to somebody, I want to hit him with knees and elbows. I don't know how Connor, when he closes his distance, is going to try to hit the best defender of all time with his clubs that he throws. He throws that left hand, but Mayweather's been hit before. Good. By better punchers. I see Mayweather running away with it, but I'm excited to see the first three rounds. Yeah, it seems it seems like everybody unanimously agrees that Connor's gotta get it done early, if at all, and the chances are very, very slim. But the build up to it, the hype, that's the part that I think we're all gonna enjoy most. Uh that being said, did you get a chance to watch any of the world tour? If so, what did you think? And give us your thoughts on the accusations of racism against Connor. Oh man, they—I don't know. They, he probably is racist. Um, what can I say? The world tour was crazy. They just kept coming out and uh, in different outfits, just walking up and down the stage <laughs> like a couple of models, just yelling at each other. But, um. Yeah, I think towards the end it got a little out of hand, that's for sure. There's a lot of money in it, and and it's it's entertaining. All other people want to see it, and they're going to watch it. And what can you do if the money's there? They're interested to see if this white boy who hits hard is going to go out there and, and land that shot on the black guy. Does it really matter if they're racist? They're going to fight. They They should be as negative towards one another as possible. Like, if you got to kill somebody, you want to hate them to the most of your ability. So whatever reason you need to hate them, go ahead and use it and, you know, get that win. Yeah, why why hold back if you've got to build up the hype and animosity towards each other? You make a good point there. I um, hope Connor does well for MMA fighters' uh, purposes because if he comes out in the first three rounds and clips him and, the world's like, holy shit, he has a chance. That's it. That's all we need. Because then, you know, I know a lot of boxers, and they just, they just think that they'll go in that that octagon and uh, stop a takedown. <laughs> so, but James Tony showed us all that that's just not true. <laughs> Absolutely, I watched that one live in person, and it was, you know, definitely made the statement that you're not going to walk into this game. And quite frankly, vice versa. I don't think a guy can walk into the into the boxing realm and, and do as well as people think. But nonetheless, we're going to find out how this all works out uh, on August 26th. But listen, you've been more than generous with your time. I just got a couple more questions here for you. Getting back to September 16th, Tiago Alves, do you have an official prediction for the fight? What's the outcome that you visualize for yourself? First round knockout, platinum Mike Perry. All right. Simple as that. All right. Can we expect some more breakdancing after you get the big win? 
maybe I got another move or two. <laughs> All right, I know the fans like that myself as well. Uh, so listen, in conclusion, any last words or words for Alves leading up to this fight? Hey, fuck. Fuck you, Alves. I appreciate the fight and all that, but, uh, you know, it's my time. I got to do what I got to do to you, man. So it is what it is, and I hope you find something else after this. Or I hope you beat somebody's ass after this, but, you know, fuck that. It's my time. Platinum. Yep, respect the guy, but we've got to put the respect aside to go in there and, and uh, put on a good show for the fans. Listen, we're looking forward to the fight, September 16th, going down in Pittsburgh. Going to be a great one, I have no doubt, and uh, we'll have to catch up uh, after the big win. Any shout-outs you'd like to get in before we let you go? Yeah, uh, appreciate you, BJPenn.com, and uh, shout-out Fit Meals, shout-out to um, Alpha Authentics and Moment, and... Um, Shout out to my team, man, my training people, Fusion XL and Winter Garden and Nelson and uh, Julian and Mark. And so thank you very much. Y'all have a blessed day. You too, brother. Always appreciate the time. Looking forward to the fight, as I mentioned, and we'll have to catch up soon. All right, Penn Nation. We're now joined by one of the most recognizable faces in the sport, one of the greatest personalities and ambassadors to MMA, Bellator lightweight, Josh the Punk Thompson. Welcome to the show, Josh. We greatly appreciate your time today. How are things for the Punk? Whereabouts are you uh, calling us from at the moment? Oh, I'm at home right now. Things are good. Uh, you know, just hanging around with the dogs. we got this huge thing that they do every year here in the Bay Area. Uh, it's called the Garlic Festival, so everyone's been down there for that. Uh, it's like a, you can smell the garlic from... Two towns over. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like you're enjoying yourself, probably eating some good food. Yeah, actually, the food's really good, man. So, like, they do fries, they do garlic. It's funny. They do garlic ice cream. They do they do a bunch of different weird stuff, but, I mean, like, a lot of it's pretty good, to be honest. Wow, garlic ice cream, huh? Yeah, exactly. That's the same thing until I tried it. But it isn't, it isn't too bad. <laughs> uh, but, you so realistically, realistically you, didn't have, you didn't have high hopes when you heard garlic, garlic ice cream, did you? <laughs> so before we get into what's next for you in MMA, I wanted to ask you about you know what you've been up to outside of fighting. I know you've had some acting gigs in recent years. Is that something that you're still pursuing? No, you know what's funny is with the acting stuff, it actually kind of just fell into my lap, and one movie led to the next, and one one movie led to the next. It just it was one of those things that just kind of happened. And don't get me wrong, they're not like obviously they're not like blockbusters. You know, they're just like small films. Uh, you know, then. You know, they paid pretty well. They, they they offered me, you know, decent money, and I want to do it. I was the lead in two of them, and I had a, I had the supporting uh, role to the lead in the third one. So that's I haven't really pursued it, but it's like something that people the phone has been ringing, and uh, I've had to, I've actually had to turn down a couple of fight, uh, a couple of movies, you know, because I was getting ready for fights. Well, you so, know, I mean, it's it's there, but I haven't I haven't done some of them. Well, obviously, when opportunities present themselves, you you got to jump at them. So. Completely understandable yeah. there. <clears throat> but as I mentioned, you know, you've always been a great ambassador for the sport, and you've made uh, one hell of a commentator as well, man. Will we see you back in the commentating seat anytime soon? And is that something you could see yourself pursuing after fighting? 
Yeah, that was something that, uh, to be honest, like um, I know there was a big push from, um, you know, from my side that I really wanted to do that for Bellator, not just Bellator, but I mean, maybe you want to let, let the truth be told. Fox, Fox had asked about me, I don't know how many times, and Dana White had just told them no, you know, he didn't want to use me for it. So we don't, no one knows why, no one understands why. There was a lot of conversation and talks back and forth. Fox had wanted me to be their commentator back after I had just fought Nate Diaz and knocked him out. They, everyone was hitting me up and saying, like, hey, you really, I think you'd be great on a Fox. Then when it all came down to it, the, from what I understand, it was Dana just telling everyone no. So when Bellator came out and asked me, I was like, hell yeah, I'd love to do it. And it's definitely something that I definitely want to pursue after. Uh, you know, I love, I like doing movies, but I mean, like movies is, you know, it's the hurry up and wait game. I like the, I like the energy of being on camera fresh, like right in front of people telling me, especially talking about something I love and I'm so passionate about. I've been doing this for over 20 years now and uh, I love it, man. Really? So it sounds like Dana White got in the way of something really awesome happening to you there. Imagine that, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I said, that seems to be a recurring recurring story for many athletes. But uh, I've noticed yeah. you've uh, you've also gotten in the world of podcasting. How's that been going? You know, we, uh, we're getting off the ground. I mean, everyone, I, I talked to a lot of other people that had successful podcasts. I mean, and um, was able to pick their brains for a little bit. And they're like, you know, just be calm, be patient. And uh, they just told me, like, look, I didn't see any return, anything like that, for about two, two and a half years. So they were putting in work for a while, just like anything. You know, you got to pay your dues and you got to be committed to it and, you know, and, and, and do the best you can to, you know, represent your field. Just don't get too outlandish. Don't get too, um, you know, too over the top, I think, so people just tune you out. You know, but I, I think uh, I think it's been good, man. We're we're working on it. I'm trying to make sure that it's solid, that it's backed with good information, and you know that's all really you can do. And just hope that the personality comes through when people they get addicted to it. Right, I'm I'm right there with you, man. It's it's a, always a work in progress, and you got to stay humble and and just keep working at it until you eventually get that breakthrough. Uh, but very good to hear that. So let's get into it, man. Any news or updates on on when we can expect to see you back in the Bellator cage? Will you compete before yeah, the end of the year? We'll see, man. It was supposed to be me and Benson here in San Jose on September 23rd for the Bellator fight, and then um, I just I just put an offer in on a house, uh, and so what what would happen is they they weren't really uh, looking at the offers until um, two weeks for about another week or two, and Bellator needed to know within a couple of days, and so I just told him I said, look, if I do get the house, I won't be able to fight. So I, otherwise, I'll be moving right in the middle of a camp, and I said I'm not going to do that to myself. And and so we just had a conversation and talk about it, and the whole conversation was like, well, okay, let's just wait. We'll see what happens with the the pitbull and Benson fight, and when it all happens, you know, we'll we'll see how it all pans out after that. Well, that's I, I can only imagine that's a, that's a rematch that, that that you've had your eyes on for quite a bit, and with his addition to the well, roster. I mean, both both of them. I mean, I got my eyes on the pitbull rematch as well. I mean, that's that's that to me is really upsetting. Um, I do understand, from what I understand, um, the, the California Athletic Commission is actually bringing it possibly back up on, on a pill again because I was never given actually written notice or notification that I was supposed to, I could have actually appeared for for the appeal. So from what I understand, that they will be bringing it back up um, for for basically a reappeal sometime in August. So if I know, they're supposed to let me know hopefully in the next couple of days. So yeah, yeah, I was just I was just about to talk about that. You know, he's gone two and one with the promotion. There was definitely a lot of controversy controversy with the clash of heads against Patricky. 
you know, give us your thoughts on that fight. And, you know, it sounds like you, you would be eyeing Patricky or Benson upon your return to the yeah. Bellator cage. Yeah, I mean, regardless, like, Ben, ben and I have some, I feel like that's a fight I definitely want to get back. Uh, the Pitbull fight, I just feel like the circumstances of being given, I think, like, look, I'm not taking anything away from him. I think he's tough, but I think he, he, him and his brother are, like, the pillars of, you know, of Bellator, man. They've been there for so long. They've been having great fights for so long. They just never got the name recognition until Coker got there and was sort of building a promotion until myself, until Benson, until some of these guys have finally came onto the scene and started, you know, bringing more recognition to actually Bellator. So I, do I think that, it, that they're great for Bellator? Do I think that he's a great fighter? Do I, I love watching him fight. I mean, he's probably one of the guys that actually every time he fights in Bellator, I like automatically turn my, my TV on, yeah. you know? So if I know him fighting, if I know his brother's fighting, like those are the guys that I will automatically turn my TV on for. Um, you know, but in this situation, I just feel like, and I, I do recall and do feel like that a lot of what happened in that fight was from the headbutt, you know? So, um, and from what I understand from the appeal, I got word after the fact that, you know, a lot of what the judges, like a lot of what the decision was made based off of was that like, they felt like I was still in the frame of mind after I got headbutted. But what my point was is that they were saying, well, he was still able to continue fighting. And I said, yeah, but if you go back and you watch the Nisha Tate fight when she fought Holly Holm, she's completely choked out and she's still throwing punches. Does that mean that she's still in the frame of mind to fight? Right. Does, that mean the ref have, does that mean the ref shouldn't have stopped the fight? Because obviously she was out, but she was still throwing punches. It's When you've been doing it for this long and our body is just – to do the things that we do naturally I actually even when I got dropped I looked at him I got I went to get up and from that moment on like I just you know I got dropped from the head but I hit my butt I looked I looked to get up I got up and from that moment on I don't remember the rest of the fight I actually had to go back and watch I didn't even know I got up and threw like one or two more punches and shot a takedown wow. he's like and so from what I understand from the appeal it was like oh he got up and he still tried to fight that doesn't mean shit yeah. <laughs> you know so um, that was and it just goes to it just goes to show that our bodies, after 20 years of doing this every single day, you're gonna see that the true fighters, the true athletes, the two guys that have done and dedicated themselves to this sport, they're gonna do exactly what I did. They're gonna get their asses up and keep doing it. Their body just they're built that way. Look at Holly Holm; she's getting choked out. She's completely not. She's she's completely out, and her arms are still punching. I mean, well, that's that's what happens, man. Absolutely, and. It, it goes along with the fighter mentality. You're going to keep going regardless of your state of mind or whether you're hurt or not. But, uh, again, regardless of the, of the appeal of the, of, of, and the controversy, I, I definitely think that, that that fight should be run back at some point. Um, but I, I would imagine that, that you have your eyes on the championship here as well. Could we see you potentially challenging for the lightweight strap in 2018? Yeah, I mean, I, I, said, I said this the other day on my podcast on Sammy the Punk. I said it the other day. I said, hey. I go, I'm always one fight away from a title shot. Get one win, and I'm in. Like, it, I'm not worried or concerned about that type of stuff. So, <clears throat> look, if I beat Pitbull, and he fights, you know, and, and he loses to Benson, and then Benson fights for the title next, I'm just, basically I'm next in line. Right. You know, so if I if I fight Benson, and Pitbull fights, uh, you know, the winner of Primus and, uh, and Chandler, then I beat Benson, then I'm next in line for the title shot. So I'm always, like, one fight away. Like, I know all I have to do is just fight the best guy, and you're one fight away from being the champion. You know, one fight away from fighting for the title. So, yeah, is that on my mind? Of course it is. Um, am, I, am I looking to rush it? No. You know, yeah. I mean, like, there's 
we I did this whole scenario, and I talked about this too on my podcast. I did this whole scenario where it was Gray Maynard was part of a team AK, I was part of team AK, and Khabib was part of team AK. Gray was ranked like number two, you know. I was ranked number five or six, and then Khabib was like I think I want to say nine or eleven or something like that. Anyways, but he was undefeated. So they were like, well, what about you guys? Would you three fight each other? You guys are all out of the same gym, blah, blah, blah. And it's this, this whole thing of speculation and what possibly could happen. Would you guys fight each other? Like, and what happened, What ended up happening was Gray ended up losing to TJ Grant. TJ Grant ended up being out forever and definitely because of a concussion. And then me, I ended up fighting uh, Benson after Pettis didn't show up for my title fight. So I ended up fighting Benson, losing. And then now Khabib is next, basically next in line and waiting for his title out. So many things have happened between now and then. Like, I don't even want to get into the speculation of how, what's going to happen in Bellator. Like, would you fight for the title? Yeah, but there's so many things that need to happen for that. I think every, every guy in the lightweight division wants to fight for that title. And you mentioned uh, uh, Primus and Chandler there. A lot of controversy with that fight as well. What was your take yep. on, on the broken ankle, the, the, the stool, that whole situation? Chandler wanted to continue. The, the, you know, the doctors called it off. H- how, did you, how did you look at that one? So at the time, I looked at it completely different than the time that I look at it now. So at the time, when I was there doing the commentary for the actual fight, and I was in the arena, and I didn't get the whole gist of really what was going on. But uh, you know, I thought he had actually just stepped back, rolled his ankle, and it's unfortunate. And then what caused him not to be able to continue is the commission guy, like or whoever it was, pulled the chair out from under him. And then they they saw him fall. And then it looked like he couldn't stand. And it just all looked bad for him on his, you know, for Chandler on his side. But now that after I went back and I watched the fight, I went back and actually like I've seen. If you go on, like we do this as well on my podcast, you actually go back on to if you go on to YouTube and you actually like look up like knee drop or nerve knee drop or something like that for Chandler premise. There's a video of a guy getting kicked one time in the calf, you know, like in a low level calf kick. And all of a sudden his foot just goes limp. He ends up going on to win the fight, you know, but the fight ended in like a minute, a minute and a half. Whereas with Chandler, he got kicked one time. Then he like went to sit back the second time. He rolled his ankle. It's hard to say what really caused it, but it's very similar to what happened in the other fight that you can see on YouTube. So do I look at it? I look at it that way. Like if you think about it in those circumstances, that if it was the kick that caused the damage, that he shouldn't get an automatic rematch. You know, and sure, is it unfor- is it is it unfortunate? Yeah, of course it's unfortunate. Should the ref have stopped the fight? No, the ref should actually let him keep fighting. It's not like as if you don't know if anything's broken, but if the fighter is still trying to fight, you have to let him fight. You know, I mean, like, he was able to walk sometimes. He was able not to walk sometimes. Like, but you just don't – I think as a ref, you got to let that go. Like, especially when the guy's really – he just dropped him. Like, you know he potentially has, has time in him. The other thing is you let the fight go the rest of the first round, and you tell him, like, look, I'm going to give you one minute to finish this fight in the second round. If you don't finish this fight in a minute or you're not doing well, I'm stopping the fight. Yeah. That's one way of – that's another way of doing it. You know, because it wasn't as if, like, he was getting torched after he had rolled his ankle and or had been kicked and his foot didn't work anymore. It's not like he was getting torched. He was he dropped Trivis after that with a straight right. So my argument would have been, like, it's very unfortunate what happened to him, but I feel like he should have, he should be fighting someone else now to get another title shot. 
I mean, that's just my opinion. Do I think do I think that he potentially could beat Primus? I think so. I mean, he, he had success against it. It's going to be a tough fight for him, I think, regardless. It was a tough fight for him that night. But I see that if you follow his social media, he's still doing therapy on his leg. Yeah. You know? And when, I mean, he's showing that he's doing therapy on the leg, which is great. But here we are over a month removed from the fight, and you're still doing therapy on it, and you're fighting him again, I would imagine, sometime in, like, November. Uh, sure, that's enough time, but just remember... I would imagine the first thing that Primus is going to do is go right back to that cat yeah. kick. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so you can expect that, and you can expect Chandler to, like, plant down on it and throw a hard right hand right off of that as well. So, I mean, um, when I take it all into consideration, when I look at it that night, when I look at it this, like, now, um, I think Primus won the fight just outright. He won the fight. Yeah. You know, given the circumstances that, you know, the ref stopped the fight, which was not Chandler's fault. Um, but once the fight is stopped, like Morrow was saying that night, once the ref stops the fight for for a legal move or something that was something that was like it had to, it had to do with the fight, then the fight is automatically over. He lost. So when you look at the rules and you look at the circumstances, then that's kind of where it's at. You know? Yeah, a lot of moving parts, a lot of things to consider, and as it always goes. Well, I mean, I go sport. I go back I go back to the pit bull in my fight. And John McCarthy should have stopped the fight and given me time. When you look at the rules, I shouldn't have had to fight on. So when the fact that even though he hit me with the shot after, like when I shot in, he hit me with the uppercut, that, that should have never happened. So if you want to go based off the rules, we should have never even carried on. I should have been given five minutes to recover, and we could have went on from there. So they're like, you know, when the argument's made, when you do it based off of the rules, it makes sense. But when you want to sugarcoat it a little bit here and there to fit your narrative, then things change. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So regardless of all of that, I'm sure everybody, myself included, very much looking forward to your return. But I wanted to change gears here for a moment and talk a bit about Bellator, the promotion as a whole. Uh, you know, under the guide of Scott Coker, promotion has done, you know, really emerged as a top-notch uh, competitor in the realm of MMA. We've seen the evidence of that with all the additions to the roster uh, recently. I know you've had a long history with Scott from Strikeforce. Give us your thoughts on why he's such a successful p- promoter, and you know what is he doing s- differently from other other promoters in the realm of MMA that that they aren't necessarily getting. Um. Well, I can't say that, that other promoters aren't doing what he's doing. But the issue, the thing is, is that he he is on board 100%, whereas other promoters have other people and other finances and other people's money to budget with. See, when he had Strikeforce, it was his money. It was, he had signed with a good company that had had the money to help back him with Silicon Valley Entertainment. Then when he went to Venalities with Viacom, sure, maybe it's not his money, but they have boatloads of money to go ahead and invest into what they want to do. And they are on board 100%, which gives him the freedom to do what he wants to do. The things that he sometimes couldn't do with Strikeforce, he's going to be able to do now. You know, I think he's been given, from what I understand, he's been given the the, the 100% go-ahead and build this promotion to be the greatest promotion that that uh, will supersede, like, whatever the UFC has done. So give him time, and I think 100% he will be on board. Yeah, you know, one of the biggest uh, differentiating aspects for me, uh, you know, aside from matchmaking, talent acquisition, has been the production value. You know, they've really gone above and beyond with the production. It feels almost like a cross between, like, Pride and WrestleMania for me, you know, big screens, awesome entrances, so forth. I'm wondering, would you agree with that? And do you think that's a really added value to the product? Um, you 
not only just dealing with Scott from Strikeforce, but also dealing with Scott and also dealing with, uh, you know, when he was fighting in Japan. He yeah. understood that he understood that they had a working relationship. He knows that he probably could fight in Risen as well, which he's obviously a star in Japan. So now he has options to fight in both places where he didn't have that option in the UFC. So we all know when you fight over in Japan, the money is better. Like, I mean, not better, but like just the incentive there is better. The money is better. The, the, you sometimes will get fights that are hard, tough fights, and sometimes you'll get fights that are just for the entertainment value, but still good money. Yeah. You know, like you're still honoring your contract. We all, like from the pride days to the dream days, to, you know, it's that's what happens. And it's great to fight, and you get to, you get to build your fan base in another country. I mean, like, I still get... I still get people sending me pictures on Instagram and still get people sending me pictures on social media talking about uh, or just showing pictures of them wearing, like, my fight shirt from that fight, like, from from one of the first times I fought in Pride, you know? And when they do that, it's like, man, that was so long ago. But they still have a T-shirt. They still are fans. Yeah. And that lets you know that you're, what you're building in, in your relationships over there, it's, it's going to carry on for a long time, you know? Absolutely. And that's the option that Scott Coker gives you that you can't get in the UFC. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing to have that non non-exclusive kind of contract, have the opportunity to go compete elsewhere, and as you mentioned, build up your well, brand. Well, it's not just that, but Scott will help push you. Like, hey, these guys, like, I have guys that are willing to fight for you in Risen, and these are the guys that I'm okay with, like, hey, going over there, knowing that, you know, they will help bring name value to your promotion, and it's a business working relationship between the two promotions. I mean, you can't beat that. Knowing that your promoter is looking out for you and keeping you busy in another organization because he can't fight you right now and you need the money or just because maybe there's a good fight for you over there that presents maybe a little more money than your contract says here. He, Scott's been the guy that will negotiate you more money to fight somewhere else. Right. I can't say that about any other promoter I've ever met in my life. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. And I know this is one piece of this puzzle, but, you know, I've been calling it the UFC exodus. You know, Nelson, Musasi, Rory McDonald, the list goes on. A lot of people point at the Reebok deal. Some say the UFC doesn't want to pay guys what they're worth. Others say it's Dana White directly. I would imagine it's a combination of all of those things. But I'm wondering, what do you think the driving force is behind athletes jumping ship? And uh, what would your advice be to a fighter that's testing the waters of free agency and considering an offer from Bellator? So my thing is, is it's all of the above. For every for every fighter, it's different. So for some, it's because of Dana, which for me it was because of Dana only based on the fact that because I had heard for many for probably over a year, year and a half that Fox had been inquiring about me to work for them on on their show side by side with Daniel with DC, and I had heard this for I don't know how long, and the fact that Dana was the one shutting it down really upset. So that, I was like, well, then knowing that, look, if I'm just going to be a fighter with no advancement, you know, to, to like have an option to work either alongside Joe Rogan or alongside to work with, you know, and get, at least get an opportunity to work for Fox doing the commentary or uh, broadcasting for them, then I was like, there's no, there's no way I'm going to be here and be able to grow with the company. So what's the point? You're just another athlete that they're willing to dismiss when you're all said and done. And as I was getting older, I understood that, so I needed to move on to something else. Some athletes are younger, and they're thinking, well, I'm just here for the money. I need to make as much money as I possibly can and do the Conor McGregor. They want to make as much money as they possibly can, get as much hype around their name as they possibly can, and see where that leads when they're ready to retire. You know, so it, it really depends on what's best for you and what fighter and, and what where you want to take your career. 
some athletes are 100 percent okay with being them, but just the pay's not fair. Yeah. So they want to test the free market. I think it's best always. And when you have doubts whether it's best or not, take a look at what the what the other athletes are doing in other sports. They're testing the free market agency like every year. Yeah. They're signing smaller and smaller deals because they're getting more and more money every time. So what you're doing though is you're banking on yourself. So if you if you go to another promotion, you sign like a three fight deal versus an eight fight deal, you know, and you sign a three fight deal or a four fight deal, and you say, okay, look, I want to make this much money. They pay you that much money. You win all four of those fights. You go to renegotiate. You say, well, you touch the free market agency again. You know, I mean, you never know what's going to happen. If I was with them, I would see what, you know, what Bellator will pay. I would see what UFC will pay. I would sign with the highest bid. And then in three, in four to five fights, I would probably turn around and see where I'm at again and sign with the highest bidder. You know, you know especially for all the, if you're talking about someone who's 20 years old, 21 years old, 24 years old, I mean, that's what you should be doing. Yeah. Well, a lot of what, a lot of what you said there transitions into my next question perfectly. You know, since the purchase of the UFC, there's been a lot of questionable matchmaking, executive decisions that seem to be focused solely around making money back for that big sale of 4.5 billion. You know, for a guy that's worked for both companies, being a veteran of the sport, from your perspective, what's going on with the UFC in that regard? Are they just scrambling to make money back for the investors at this point? Yeah, I can't speak too much on that because I'm not I'm not familiar with the new investors. I mean, I also heard that they also have people that buy into the company that now own shares of the UFC from yeah. everyone from like uh, Venus and Serena, Tom Brady, like Venus and Serena Williams, Tom Brady, some other actors and actresses and things like that. Um, you know, celebrities that that make a lot of money um, that have the money to invest into the company. So I don't know exactly, uh, to be honest, like what's going on. Uh, all I can do is speak for what I have, um, from what I've heard and what I've seen, like from people that are good sources to me. And I mean, there was things where, you know, there was times where Dana had called and said like, Hey, we want you to fight this person. And that was on like a Tuesday or Wednesday. And then when they called back and said, okay, let's we'll take the fight. The option wasn't on the table anymore. So <laughs> someone doesn't have that power that they used to have, I think. And so. That being said, I, I couldn't tell you like really exactly what's going on behind closed door. I don't know who's running the ship. I don't think a lot of athletes are having a hard time with that. Who just said it? I think I want to say, um, what's his name? Linton Vassell. He said, he said, um, he said, why would I want to go to the UFC? He's like, all the talent's coming to Bellator. Right. And that kind of summed up exactly what's going on. Do I mean like you've got... You got Gegard Musashi was you could say was next in line for a title shot or one fight away from a title shot, and he left and came to Bellator. You have Big Country who is considered like one of the iconic heavyweights in in the UFC. Absolutely. I mean, he's everyone loves him. I mean, you just cannot not love the guy. I mean, the guy's amazing. Like you sit and talk with him, he's a great personality, great person. You know, how do you not how do you not like him? Yeah. So I mean, when you have guys like that that are leaving, it really makes you question. Like what's I mean, think about it. Like with Roy McDonald, he left after his fight with you know Robbie Lawler, who was you could say considered one of the greatest, like one of the greatest title fights I think you've ever seen on on TV. It was amazing, and they still let him go. Yeah, it, it just makes you it makes you wonder like what even from my side, like even when I fought for both promotions. It makes me wonder exactly like, what is going on. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking the same thing as all the other fans and all, and everybody else is thinking, well, you're thinking, you're sitting at home right now probably thinking as we're doing this interview, like, 
you know, now you put it that way, I have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> we're, all, we're, we're all thinking the same exact thing. Like, what, well, what Gigard, the hell you know, is Gigard, going on? Gigard was a shocker, man. I mean, one of the best records in MMA, as you mentioned, clearly in line for the title, likable guy, maybe not the most outlandish and, you know, uh, uh, self-promoting personality in the sport, but his fights speak for themselves. All-around yep. good guy, never failed the drug test. I mean, you can't ask for more, and they let the guy go without any hesitation. Yep. So, I mean, that was yep. a real mind blower I mean, for me. Yeah, I mean, but speaking of speaking of drug tests, I mean, like that's the thing. That's the other thing. Why are guys that are failing drug tests getting? They're getting more hype, more recognition, more stuff. Why are they getting passes that guys like Gegard are not? Yeah. Like, I just talked about this the other day, like on our podcast. Like, why are these guys that have been busted, before, knowing that they're not supposed to be taking, knowing they're not supposed to be taking estrogen blockers or fat burners or penis pills or you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> knowing that they're getting tested for this stuff, like why are they taking it and they get busted for it? I mean, like they're all masking agents for steroids, which makes it even worse, knowing that you're potentially trying to cheat, you know? And so. Why are those guys getting the recognition and the, and the passes, knowing that they've been testing positive? And you have guys like Gaygord and big big country that are just not they're not they're, they're not giving the benefit of the doubt. They're not trying to promote the guys that that like I mean that are there putting in the work and you know and trying to be and trying to be company men. Yeah, I I, I agree with you 100 percent there, man. It's it's mind blowing how some guys get special treatment, others don't, and it always seems to to boil down to money. But speaking of money. Obviously, one of the biggest money fights of all time just got made, Mayweather-McGregor. What was your reaction to this fight when it got announced? Do you think Conor stands a chance, and is it bad for either sport? So, um, a couple things. I think it's great. I'm excited to see the fight. I'm, I, honestly, I'm really excited to see how it all goes down. Do I give Conor a chance? I give him a one through the fourth round chance. Like, is it a puncher's chance and the potential of being bigger, longer, hits harder? Uh, I don't think he's as fast as Connor or as fast as uh, Mayweather. Do I give him a chance? I give him the puncher's chance for the first four rounds. Look, I spar with a lot of top like boxers, like pro boxers. I spar with Robert the Ghost Guerrero. I spar with Ricardo Pinnell, like guys that are really good. And let me just tell you, I'd spar the first one through four, maybe five rounds. And then after about the fourth and fifth round, I'd get out because I'm dead, dead tired, exhausted because boxing, the boxing pace is not something we're used to. Yeah. And I don't think in the amount of time that he's been working on boxing with Connor, I don't think he can keep up with that type of pace. Mayweather's been doing this since he was, what, five years old, six years old? I mean, I think his relaxation, you can see it when he's fought other guys. Think about the top guys all around the world that have fought him. Um, they've all haven't been able to, they haven't, none of them have been able to touch him, hurt him, wobble him. I mean, but the one thing that makes me give hope is that Connor's always had problems with left-handers. He's always had guys that have had, he's had problems with the powers. Nap Judah, put him on stilts. You could arguably say that he actually did drop him because when he hit him hard, he actually went down, did touch his glove, the rest didn't see it, so he didn't give him a, a, a knockdown. Um, I want to say uh, Pernell Whitaker also gave him a hard time early in his career. I mean, there was another guy I think that fought him as well that was a left-hander that gave him a hard time as well. So, but the problem, the issue is, is when he fights, this is a fight where the, the speed, I think, will end up being a factor, especially later on as the fight goes on. You know, as the fight as the fight gets into the third and fourth round, the speed's going to definitely be a factor because Connor's speed will slow down. Yeah. Whatever speed he has, sure, he'll always have the power, 
but Mayweather's going to be able to get in and get out. Do I think it's great for the sport? I think it's great for the sport. Will it affect the MMA? It'll affect MMA more than it'll affect boxing because I think Mayweather's going to win. Do I want Conor to win? Hell yeah, I want Conor to win. I'm not very, I'm not a big uh, proponent of supporting uh, Mayweather. I have my my own reasons. I think people, are, I think a lot of people know. I don't really. There's a lot of charges and accusations brought against Mayweather over not just one woman but several women that he's been known for hitting and abusing. To me, that's just not okay, and those are my own reasons. You can agree with me. You can not agree no, with me. I think a lot of people would. I think a lot of people would. Yeah, no, I think a lot of people would. But I mean, like some people will be like, "Oh, well, boxing this and MMA this," and I can give I can give two shits when you're talking about sports when it comes down to the actual reasons why I don't want him to win. That's the reasons why I don't want him to win. Uh, other than that, I think he's a better boxer. Hell yeah, he is. I think he's probably the best boxer that's ever graced the face of the earth. You know, um, do I think he has? I mean, do I think Conor has a chance? He has a puncher's chance to one or four rounds. Now, After that, it's going to be all Mayweather. Now, I'm wondering what you just mentioned there. Your your dislike for for Mayweather. I had read something that you had mentioned uh, about wanting Conor to beat Floyd for different reasons than most. Can you elaborate on that? Was it just what you were that talking was, about? That there? was what I was talking about. Okay. That's, that's what I was talking about. See, what I find right now is that majority of the people that are supporting Carter are MMA fans. And not just MMA fans. You, I even have MMA fighters that are supporting him. They don't like him in MMA. They just like him over the fact that they don't like, they don't like the mentality between boxing, MMA versus boxing. They don't want to deal with Mayweather. They don't want to... They would, they would want MMA to win because it's MMA. He's part of, like, our clique now. He's part of our crew. He's representing us versus yeah. them. You know, yeah. us versus boxing is what he's representing. And a lot of people that don't even like him, they actually are in the same weight class as him in MMA. They're, like, vocally, they even told me, like, yeah, no, I, I, I want Conor to win because I cannot stand Mayweather. I can't stand the mentality <laughs> of the boxing mentality. You know, and then obviously for my reasons, because, of the, you know, the... The women abuse, and a lot of other fighters agree with that, but more so that it is MMA versus boxing, and they want their person to win. Absolutely. Now, I also read that you felt as though that they both lost fans on the World Tour. I'm wondering, can you give us your thoughts on the World Tour in its entirety? Are the accusations of racism against Conor warranted, in your opinion? Um, look, so my, my thought on the, on the tour itself, it should have stopped after the second trip. So the second trip was the best trip. The first Absolutely. one was really like, they almost like they had no idea what was going on in the first one. They were, it was almost like it was forced. The second one was amazing. The second one was, I, I thought to me, it was, it was very natural for both of them. It was the two of them got into their groove, and it was perfect. They should have stopped there. The third one was so over the top and just so, and that's where all the accusations came about. That's where things were said between the two parties and it really just led to the racism comments the you know just and moving forward it was just, it just it just didn't i don't think it made well for the fans now people are kind of like sure are they still going to watch of course they are but are you looking to have those people continue watch after that person loses so let's just say connor loses now he's considered a racist and a loser yeah. so now you're going to tell him to go ahead and buy it my your $75 pay-per-views when you fight Khabib in Russia, it's going to be hard to sell, just my opinion. Like, you know, I mean, let's just say that Mayweather loses. I mean, he's never going to fight again anyways. People didn't like him anyways. The majority of people that are watching, they're trying to watch him lose. You know, they've been trying to watch him lose for six, seven years now, maybe even longer than that. You know, the majority of people that tune in to watch Mayweather fight, they tune in to watch him lose, and that's it. Yeah. You know, he's the heel in the sport of boxing. 
Yeah, I, I agree, and you're you're right there, man. After Toronto, things got really weird. Brooklyn was weird, and then, you know, London was even worse than that, so I agree with yeah. you. They could have called it right after Yeah, I Toronto. saw some of the stuff. I saw some, like, I, I, from what I understand, and, and I didn't I didn't hear it, but I did see it, like, well, I, or I didn't hear it, but people were talking about, like, I guess there was the word monkey thrown around, and that was that's just not good for anything, not just not just for for the sport itself, like for either sport, but this wasn't good for, for anything. Not like for, for just humanity itself. Like it's, it's still, it just, it just wasn't good, man. Yeah. And considering how much of a hot topic race is in this country right now. Yeah. It's, it's huge right now. I mean, yeah. like you can't, this is, we're trying to get over it. We're trying to like make sure there's no divide. And it just seems like every time we think we're making a little step in progress, something like that comes about and everyone just jumps back on the bandwagon and says, see, I told you it's still alive. And it's, yeah. we're not, we're not making the progress that we thought we were making. And it's unfortunate because I feel like majority of us, if we all sat down in a room, you know, and you put me in a room or you put somebody else, some of these guys in a room, there would be nothing like that. Once they get to know somebody, you know, once they actually sit and talk with them, I don't think that they would have a, there'd be no racism at all, but just my opinion. Yeah. Bad look for, for both guys. I agree. And, you know, like you said there, could have stopped after Toronto. But, you know, not to mention all of this all of this stuff that's going on with Mayweather-McGregor, it's holding up the UFC lightweight division, a division that continues to, to become more and more of a shark tank. Uh, when you look at the landscape at 155 over there, I'm wondering which guys are you most impressed with and who do you think has the best shot at dethroning Conor upon his return to MMA? Uh, I think either one of the guys that are at the top right now, I think Tony Ferguson has a good shot, and I think Khabib definitely has a good shot. I don't think that Conor has – I don't think Conor has one chance against Khabib. Like, I, I don't think – I would give him the same amount of chance that he has against Floyd, like a puncher's chance, and that would be about it. You know, um, as far as with Tony, he's got a little bit more of a chance, you know, because Tony likes to stand a little bit more. He's very unorthodox, and he leaves himself open a little bit more to be hit. But do I think he has a chance against Tony? No, I mean, not as much as – I think he's, he has a chance, but I think I would say Tony would probably, probably walk through him. Yeah. I would give those two guys. Because right now, the two of them, Khabib and Tony, are both on just, they're just on different levels, man. Like, they're they're constantly working, they're constantly training, they're constantly getting better. And do I think Connor's doing the same? Yes. But his focus now is in boxing, and he's going to go back trying to do the fighting, like trying to fight MMA. He's going to need to take more time to, to get back into the groove of stuffing takedowns and you know, and working back on his, I mean, I think his kicks will always be there with him, but he's going to have to focus more on the grappling aspect. If you're going to fight either one of those guys right after you come back, right? I mean, your takedown defense has got to be on par against Khabib. Your submission defense has definitely got to be on par against Tony. So you've got, he's got to figure that out because it's a completely different fight from what he's about to step in the ring and do against Mayweather. Yeah, it's going to be ground and pound or darst choke. I agree with you, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's a tough mm-hmm. comeback fight. Listen, Josh, you've been more than generous with mm-hmm. your time. I just got a couple more questions here for you. Sure. Uh, uh, getting back to Bellator, man. What upcoming fights are you most excited for? You know, I, I'm excited for the most. For me, the most exciting fight for me to watch right now would be the Benson and Pitbull fight. I can't wait to watch that fight. Um, that's happening September 23rd here at the SAP Arena in San Jose. And that, to me, is probably going to be one of the best fights in Bellator history. Um, you're going to see a guy who, <clears throat> Benson, got a lot to prove coming off of, you know, his loss to Chandler. Um, I think he's going to jump right back in there and get back in to do what Ben does. You know, going out there and trying to set the pace. 
seen if Pitbull can keep the pace with him. Pitbull, though, is extremely hard to take down, and he's got power in both hands. You know, so um, it's going to make for an interesting fight. Um, it's I'm excited to see who wins that fight. The same thing with the premise and Chandler. I want to see a remake, and I do. Even though I don't think Chandler should get the automatic rematch, but I think I want to see if Primus is going to come out there and just kick the leg again, and everything happens again, all over again. Right. You know, I mean, like it's 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 it's. I don't want to see the I, I don't want to see the automatic rematch, and I don't think Chandler should get it now after seeing the the fight and the video and stuff. But do I think Taylor will always be, I think, one fight away from a title shot? If you lost, you'd be like, okay, are you next on? Are you automatic rematch? Like, he'll always be one fight away. I mean, the guy's, he's icon, he's an icon in the, in, in Bellator. You know, I mean, he's think about his, his fights with Eddie Alvarez, think about his, his other, you know, his fights with Pitbull from before. I mean, I mean, he's got, you know, he's, he's, I've said, I said it on the broadcast there in New York. He's kind of the face you know, uh, of Bellator. I mean, you've got some other guys now that are making, that are making their name and their face known in the sport, in, in the in Bellator, but he's been the one that's been around the longest, you know, that's been, has been the champion. And so, um, those are the two fights and I'm obviously biased because I'm a lightweight myself. So I love watching those guys fight, you know, uh, the Roy McDonald and Lima fight. I'm excited to see that. So, I will say in San Jose, the Lorenz Larkin and Paul Daly fight is going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah, I know. As soon as they announce that one, that one's got fireworks written all over. Yeah, but but to, you know, I mean, it's going to be amazing. To to stay with Rory McDonald there for a moment, you know, obviously sky's the limit for him within the promotion. But all that talk of him, to, you know, potentially moving up, fighting Fedor. What did you make of all that? Uh, I mean, like I think Fedor. Is, I, I I don't know what's going on for, with Fedor. I don't think anyone knows what's going on with Fedor. So my my idea would be like everyone needs to kind of just stay in their own weight class, win a title, and then go ahead and think about moving up. Yeah. The issue that I have right now um, with the guys that are coming over from um, the UFC is that they these guys had the same issue when we came from Strikeforce to the UFC. They all thought that they were just going to come in because they're from the UFC, or they were. We were going to come in. They would just walk right through us, and look what happened. Yeah. All the guys from Strikeforce are world champions now, and the guys that are in Bellator, which is the smaller promotion, which you know Scott's building to be the bigger promotion now. But these guys that are coming from the UFC, I think they have this thing on their shoulders. They think they're really going to be automatic champions. And to think like, oh, I'm going to win this weight class, and I'm going to win the next weight class, and I've seen them fight, they're not that good. And, but the thing is, is these guys that are here, and they're, it's even worse now for you guys. Because now you're coming over in a promotion you haven't fought for. It's not your home anymore. You know, I found that with people from the UFC, what they've done is they, haven't, they don't watch other promotions. They don't watch the other guys really fight. They're like, oh, yeah, it's like kind of in the background. So I think that's why when the guys all came over from Strikeforce, that we all had such good success right off the bat. Because everyone's like, oh, they're not that good. They're, they were fighting in Strikeforce. And we all came in and just mopped up. The we same thing's going to happen. Like, these guys from the UFC, they're coming over. They're like, I'm going to win this weight class. I'm going to win this next weight class. And they, you know they're getting starched. You know, and the only person I think that is an exception to that rule is Roy McDonald. Because Roy McDonald is such a technician all the way around. He's a lot, I, I, I really honestly believe that he's a lot like GSP, that he's good on the feet, he's good on the ground, his takedowns are good. Like, he has spent, he has spent a lot of time on just in really defining his craft, and it shows. 
when he went in there and fought Paul Daly, it looked like Paul Daly didn't even belong in the ring with him. Yeah. I mean, even though he just took him down, even though maybe people said it was kind of a boring fight, but think about how many guys that went in there and tried to take Paul Daly down, struggled to get him down, he was able to get up. It, he didn't. He wasn't able to get up at all. You know, he got taken down, but it was like he was stuck on the bottom. Yeah, Rory made so, it look easy. Yeah, and that's the thing. And no, not no one that has ever fought Paul Daly has made it look easy. You know, and so the fact that I, I think the sky's limit for Rory McDonald, but I think the rest of them all got their work cut off for them. Yeah. You know, Gegard Musashi will fight at 185. He's fought heavier guys in Pride than 205, so he'll fight probably at 205. But I think he wants to get that that 185 pound title first. But he's got to be careful he doesn't run into what he what I was just talking about. Coming over thinking you're going to win two weight classes and just move on being the you know the greatest ever. You've got to focus on the guys that are in front of you. Get the strap, get the win, get the strap, get the win. You know, you've got to always focus on getting that win, getting that strap, and then, okay, now I'm ready to move on to the next thing. Don't think too far ahead or you're going to set yourself too far back. Yeah, you make a great point there. Stay humble, focus on the task at hand, and yep. don't think you're going to come in and, and beat the whole promotion. Uh, but, yep. you know, in, just to recap for yourself here, I mean, should we expect to see you fight before the end of the year? And, you know, assuming you stay injury-free, how many times would you like to compete in 2018? Yeah, Scott hit me up recently. I guess I was supposed to fight the Benson fight. It just didn't work out the way it was all talked about. Um, I would like to probably do one fight before the end of the year. I have no idea who we'd be talking about. Um, we haven't even talked about it with Scott or Bellator or anything like that. Um, you know, and we'll see what happens. If the fight doesn't end, happen by the end of the year, I for sure would like to fight, you know, before uh, May next year or in May next year. So that, that has been talked about already, making sure that that big fight here in San Jose next May. Okay. Yeah, then I'm on that. Then I'm on that card. So, um, like I said, I don't have very many fights left in me. I would say one, maybe two. So I want to make sure that I pick that I pick the right fights. For me, the Benson fight is a must. Um, not just for network and TV, but also just for me trying to get that fight back. Yeah, big fight for your legacy, man. And I'll tell you what. Well, a, I just I love I love I love I wouldn't would not mind fighting Ben because Ben's a class act, man. He he's a great guy. He's it doesn't matter, like, every time I've ever seen him, before I fought him, after I fought him, he's always been super respectful, um, very nice guy, very humble, loved being around the guy, and uh, a family man, like, you can't say anything negative about him, and when you fight guys like that, it just makes it easier to fight guys like that, it just it makes it, knowing that they're going to bring their A game, there's no trash talking, we're going to go out there and fight, and that's it. You know, it's not, I'm not trying to hype the fight, because we already know that we're really good, and to yeah. me, that's important to me, you know? Right, not to mention the guy, can't he, I can't even recall him ever swearing. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. I mean, honestly, he's a great guy, man. Yeah, for sure. Well, as, as a fan, uh, man, I, it's going to be a sad day when you eventually decide to hang them up, but it's been a long, awesome career for you and an absolute honor to have you on the show speak with you tonight. Um, I guess in conclusion, man, what can all the Josh Thompson fans expect upon your return? And where can everybody get in touch with you on social media and find your podcast? Uh, you know, upon my return, just expect for a different Josh. You know, I've been, I've, all I've been working on right now is just changing my game a little bit and uh, focusing on a different avenue of how I want to approach the game. And hopefully it works against uh, Ben when we have the opportunity to fight. As far as finding me on social media, at the Real Punk, on Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, and you can also look me at Josh the Punk Thompson on uh, Facebook. Uh, you can also hit me up at, at Sammy and the Punk. Check out our podcast. We are on iTunes, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Please just hit that subscribe button, and we will see you guys there. All right.
Awesome. Been a, been a very great conversation, my friend. Really looking forward to your return and uh, all of the great things that are on the horizon for you in regards to the commentating, acting, whatever it may be. Uh, greatly appreciated your time tonight, man, and uh, look forward to the next time. Cool. I truly appreciate having me on, man. Everyone, I, thank you so much. All right. Thank you, bud. All right, bud. Bye. Bye.